It's the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. From Seattle to Tokyo and all points throughout history, we cover Japanese and American wrestling. We just cover wrestling here on the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. From the Seattle area, my name is Jim Valley, longtime broadcaster and professional wrestling fan. You've probably heard some of my audio somewhere. And we head across the Pacific Rim to Tokyo, Japan, and one of the most celebrated reporters and uh, historians that you're going to find in Tokyo, in Japan, and anywhere in the world, Fumi Saito. Fumi, how are you? Hello, how are you? From Good. Tokyo. Yes. So the most recent news is the death of Motoko Baba, one of the owners yeah. of All Japan Pro Wrestling and the wife of... Giant Baba. Giant Baba. And uh, she Giant actually Baba. died uh, several days ago. Yeah, um, back in April 14th, so it's like uh, 10 days ago. And the pri- private funeral service was just immediate family and and the cremation, all thing, all, whole things already happened. You know, it took place. And they are going to have memorial or some kind of gathering with wrestling public little bit later on. Now, is this Japanese tradition to, to, to be so private uh, and so sudden? Forced. Well, sometimes, you know, if famous people die, you know, you'll have big funeral, you know, and some, like, recent years, a um, lot of people want to have your private service right away. And then, then they announce it, you know, because when, then, uh, you know, it's like a, two different ways to look at it. You know, it's, a, it's a, almost a value orientation. Some people take you know, immediate family's death, so um, privately, they will have service right away, then announce it. Not gonna you know, publicly announce the death. If you're a politician or um, big celebrity or something, you know that you will be having a big ceremony, but I, I'm pretty sure that this is the way Motoko wanted it. You know, make it private. And if you wanna announce it later, go ahead and do it on your own, you know, but uh, she wanted private, you know. It's same thing when Baba died in January of 1999, Mrs. Baba wasn't going to announce it for a long time, you know, but some, some, somewhat, somehow, of course, the big news like that would leak and uh, people started calling her cell phone or her condominium phone number and everything and she couldn't hide it anymore, so she pretty much had to make it public, you know, because Mr. and Mrs. Baba were very private person people, you know. Of course, they're big celebrity, famous people, but uh, basically they were very private people, you know. So uh, Baba didn't want to have big you know, funeral service or anything either. That was his will. Now, so she had this been... time, I'm pretty sure they, that was Motoko's will. Had she been Do sick for a while? Funeral. Had she been sick for a while? Yeah, from what I gathered, yes. And she uh, passed away at some hospice uh, location. And uh, yes, they do. They still have a house in, in Tokyo, but the, that's not where she died. She died in hospice in, in city somewhere. I, I'm not sure about, but I, I'll, I'll get it. You know? yeah. Now, she, they, uh, the Bobbers did not have children. The couple did not have children, so the All Japan Pro Wrestling was there, you know, like a family and wrestlers, boys were, and staff, you know, front office staff. They were like their children, yeah. And Jumbo was like, Jumbo Tsuta, late Jumbo Tsuta, was like the oldest, oldest son. And actually, Atsushi Onita was just like Baba, you know, Miss, Miss and Mrs. Baba's son. See, Atsushi Onita, now a hardcore legend, but uh, when Atsushi Onita finished ninth grade, before he even got 10th grade, he just started with Old Japan, the age of 15, before 16th birthday, and uh, they, they always treated Onita as <clears throat> their son. All of them, Misawa, Kobashi, Kawada, they're like the children. So you and knew King and Queen. You knew Mrs. Baba. Yeah, yeah, of course. You had to deal with because nobody will talk to Mr. Baba directly. 
you know, sometimes, yeah, you, when you make a phone call to the All Japan Wrestling office, yeah, somebody will answer, you know. But you'll never get to Mr. Baba. You will always get Mrs. Baba before you get to Baba. You know, nobody will directly talk to you, uh, except some very selected individual. But uh, usually it's Mrs. Baba who handles everything. And they travel together. Of course, they live together, but uh, they didn't have children. So every single show, the Mr. Mr. Baba appeared, Mrs. Baba was there. All Japan show, every little house shows, TV taping, autograph signing, or even dinner table, interview session, everything. She was always there, always. Now, what was your perception of her? Now, a lot of people say that uh, what I see on social media and some of the reports is the good cop, bad cop, that Giant Baba was the good cop, so Mrs. Baba had to be the, the bad cop. Well, I would say like a bad and good. Is, I would say like a Mr. Baba, Giant Baba would always have babyface role in any business dealing or uh, or... Not you know what not that uh, Mrs. Baba had to take key role you know when the business wasn't you know the way it is, okay let's put it this way that uh, when Baba had to say no to somebody it wasn't Baba who would be saying no to you it would be Mrs. Baba coming to you say oh actually um, we discussed it and we decided not to so goodbye so that was Mrs. Baba's role to say no to people. Therefore, you know, some people say sometimes, you know, Baba and I were good, but Mrs. Baba wasn't, you know, we weren't good with Mrs. Baba, so that was the reasons. No, it was actually always Baba who said no to the deal, but actually it was told by Mrs. Baba. So some people felt that, uh, God, we rejected by Mrs. Baba, the business is going well, and then Baba was we going to do it, and, but Mrs. Baba said no. No, they were equal the team, the unit, you know? So it was like a heel role he, she had to take. Therefore, in any case or any dealing or any business situation or decision-making, you know, situation, Baba would always come off, you know, always come out like baby face. And somewhat, somehow, Mrs. Baba had to take heel role. Does that make sense? What type of things did she do in her role with All Japan? What did she manage? Well, personal manager of Jan Baba, of course. And also, she would be the judge that is this, you know, company or individual or person or TV station or or the video company or the production company or the record company or the publishing company for books. She would look at it. And Baba and, you know, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Baba look at each other and when Mrs. Baba said, I kind of don't think so, that's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? I believe she was the boss. You believe that if there was, if Giant Baba wanted something and Mrs. Baba didn't, that uh, she got her way? Is that what you're that's saying? That's not going to happen, yeah. Okay. Right, because, well, you have to ask boss. Asking boss is like, yeah, Baba actually said that and I heard it, you know. Well, she's a boss. Let's ask her. Yeah, and she, they didn't have children, so they always traveled together, and they ate together, and they, um, it's more like, I don't think they even cooked at home that much. They didn't eat at home. They were, when they were in Tokyo, they were always at this Capital Tokyo Hotel. By the way, Capital Tokyo Hotel is one of the, you know, kind of like a plaza hotel in New York, like a Truman, you know, Truman Capote kind of novel. Mm-hmm. Um, Capital Tokyo Hotel is like a nice, one of the nicest, oldest hotel where like, the, the Beatles stayed there, you know, back in the 60s. They go there and go to a restaurant called Origami. And they stay there and have a cup of coffee, have lunch, have dinner. And they stay there and have another cup of coffee. And they stay there until they feel like going home to go to bed. So they stay. They were at the hotel and using that origami restaurant as their living room. Can you hear me? So would they do business there? 
and yeah, in the meeting, and also when they have you know closed door, you know business deal meeting, they'll get a room upstairs in the hotel, and they did have all Japan office, of course, but uh, you know they'll you know have a, you know they'll have a room in a hotel upstairs and have very private meeting there. Now you. How was your relationship with with Mrs. Baba? Would you say it was good? Would you say it was bad? Good and bad, yes. Good and bad, you know. Well, because first, she will look at you up and down and up and down, and then before they trust you, they accuse you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? How so? Well, it's like, um, if you are that kind of famous people, all kinds of people come to you and try to have you know make some business deal right so they were trained not to trust people <laughs> you know this is wrestling you know and uh yeah and nine yeah it was i met her back in i believe it was like a january of 1985 yes um uh they uh, thought well young reporter huh kind of you know so yeah i would try to be nice and all nervous and everything and you have to speak to mrs baba before you can speak to baba i learned that hard way so you uh, approached baba first and then discovered no that's not the protocol well first you know you cannot talk to your well you you probably won't be able to talk to vince mcmahon right you be talking to somebody from the office, you know. Then uh, before, you know, okay. Then then the interview or some kind, you know, something. Okay, you're okay, you know. But before you get to Baba, there's one more place you have to go through. That it's always gonna be Mrs. Baba. Yeah. So she was like her, like a barricade, sort of like a all Japan pro wrestling big barricade, you know, that you have to go through always. It's a big gate. Once you're in, you're in, no? You know? But uh, it's hard, you know, because it was traditionally always old Japan against new Japan. Baba against Inoki. There were always two kings in this wrestling world in Japan. You know what I'm saying? Not just WWE big company. Old Japan, Baba, new Japan, Inoki's company, always equally big, huge company, right? If you do you know, so much with New Japan, it's like, well, which side are you in kind of thing, right? They're the opposition. So how careful did you have to be, obviously, dealing with both New Japan and All Japan? Well, I had, I could, I, could, I would, and I could go to both shows, but like, uh, it's kind of like you have to show them or the prove that you know that they have to trust you to you know let you know certain things you know and uh yes 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 i have i'm on all japan side you have to you know be and most reporters and photographers are you know i'm more of a japan guy i'm more of a new japan guy you know they're always like that's a grouped you know and i would deal with american wrestlers mostly so more often than that i um I would deal with all Japan too, you know, because they had always had more Americans. Yeah. So what happens when you're on her bad side? Did you ever experience that? Did you ever get uh, shut out where it's like, oh, no, we can't talk to you for a while. Did you ever, were you ever sort of? Oh, yeah, we had that. Yeah. Yeah, the number of times, numbers. So then, then you have to mend it, you know. Oh, the first, you know, the yeah, the one of the first, you know, dealing I remember clearly was 1985, the year I met her. There was a Ric Flair against Rick Martel, NWA World Heavyweight Champion against AWA World Heavyweight Champion in Tokyo, if you remember. Yeah, it's a very famous match. Yeah, yeah, and then, then that night at the Sumo Palace, Mrs. Baba pulled me inside and said, whatever you do, do not do not tell this to America. It's like, but but it, the match is televised and it's reported all over the world. And uh, if I if, if it wasn't me, you know, somebody would be, you know, but 
then the people will be trading VHS tapes too, and you cannot hide this, the fact that NWA and AWA double title match took place in Japan. So they wanted to go hush-hush about it, but there's no way. I'm not the only one reporting this to America, but she thought, you are the one who's giving Japanese news to American side, uh, aren't you, aren't you, aren't you? Well, yes and no, right? <laughs> so uh, she felt that uh, if nobody, you know, gives this, you know, Ric Flair, Mar- Rick Martel match to, to, to stateside, that uh, nobody will ever know. Of course, people will know about it. So she was more like, she's from like a very close society wrestling mentality. Does it make sense? So why did they want you to keep it a secret? Well, because it, it's like uh, and Jim Crockett or Vern Gagne or the people in states, you know, it's like they weren't familiar with the idea. See, Ric Flair was already here. Rick Mate was always, you know, was already here in the same, you know, the same tour, you know, and then Baba decided to go ahead and do it. And then they probably only had like an oral agreement. And Ric Flair, Rick Mate both agreed. They, well, we can do it. And then... Sure enough, they had double count out. Both guys, each guys kept the belt, of course. You know, but on, uh, they, Mrs. Baba did not want this to leak out to other places. But that's impossible, <laughs> is it? What, so basically, Giant Baba booked both major world champions in a match without the uh, prospective companies knowing. Uh, yeah, but I cannot confirm that, but uh, it sure looked that way because they didn't want to get out. Yeah, why else would you want it to get out, not get out? Right, right, right. So that's how I felt. But it's like I told Mrs. Bob, if it wasn't me, you know, people will know about this match tomorrow, then she didn't quite get it, you know? So were you in trouble for a while after that? Uh, not just that, that was okay, cause, you know, but I learned about how she feels about, you know, how she deals, uh, you, know, our, you know, business in general. The trouble I got, oh, I got a lot of trouble too, but uh, I, I was producing, like in 1990, I was producing All Japan official video as a producer and a location director, you know, you do the original, not the, you know, Nippon TV footage, but the, we filmed our own matches, you know, at the Korak end to do the original, you know, Old Japan uh, official video. And we did uh, only two volumes, two titles. Then after that, then uh, Mrs. Baba didn't like the way I edited the certain footage. And uh, she wanted to hire, I mean, in the middle of, in the middle of producing and editing the actual videotape, she wanted to bring another director um, into the project, so I said. So I, um, I dropped all the, you know, that existing tape on her lap. You know, basically said, "All right, I quit and I can't do this." Then, because after we finished the pro, you know, that the uh, the production, she looked at it and she didn't like it, and then told me, you know, told us to go change it. I can't do it. It's all done, and uh, it's just a little teeny little part of that. Uh, the, the two-hour tape that uh, a few seconds she didn't like, we had to change a whole production of it. It's like, all right, you do it. You know, I couldn't do it. And uh, that was it. And then she didn't talk to me about three years or four years after that. But somehow, somewhat, you know, we got in again, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. So Maybe that sound- was Bob. Yeah. She's a, yeah. she's a very complex woman, it sounds like. Oh, very complex and eccentric, too. Yeah, but it, she is like a girl from very rich, good family in you know, a family, you know, that uh, uh, kind of selfish, but uh, um, anything she says and she wishes that, all right, it will be that way, you know, no, no other way, her way or highway. Now, she <laughs> was with Giant Baba when they were very young. They started dating. Yeah, yeah. Giant Baba was 19 and Motoko was 17. How's that? Giant Baba was still with 
Yomiuri Giants, major, you know, Japanese Major League Baseball. He, she, he was a pitcher. They met when Baba was 19 and she was 17. Yeah. And uh, they didn't publicize their relationship until 1982. But I'll get to it. Uh, if, the, if Baba was 19 and Motoko was 17, it had to be like 1960. You know what I'm saying? And Baba's first trip after he became a wrestler and signed with Ricky Dozen, he was sent to America for experience. And the first trip to America, I believe, was 62. And, and he was in America a year and a half, almost two years, and he wouldn't come back until 1960. Ah, wait a minute. 63. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So... Um, they were together because I I remember the convers I remember conversation with Mrs. Baba. It was in 1990. Okay, there was a big, huge card at the Tokyo Dome, Wrestling Summit, Old Japan, New Japan, and WWF. Three huge company combined and had a huge show in Tokyo Dome. You remember that? Everybody remember that? Remember that one? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, Stan, uh, Hulk Hogan against Stan Hansen. Yeah. Yep. Um, Ted, uh, Randy Savage against Ten Rue. Giant Baba Under the Giant against Demolition. Bret Hart against Tiger Mask, the Misawa Tiger Mask. And uh, Ultimate Warrior against Ted DiBiase. It's very, you know, huge lineup. Vince McMahon flew himself over twice in six-week period to, you know, to prepare and produce the, the whole project. And I, when I spoke with Mrs. Barber, then <clears throat> Mrs. Barber remembered young Vince McMahon, like 18-year-old or 19-year-old Vince McMahon, like a real young Vince McMahon, running around backstage of Madison Square Garden with bow tie. That's how she remembered Vince, and then then uh, so the young so she Mrs. Baba remembered young Vince McMahon. Now he's the boss, and uh, she felt good about it, you know. And uh, so nine, she knew 19, 18, 19 year old Vince McMahon, meaning that the, she was there in New York while Baba was there. So she must have traveled with him too at the time. Yeah. Right. Yes. The marriage, the marriage wasn't publicized. It didn't, you know, uh, didn't announce it until 1982. There, there were a number of reasons. She is from very um, rich, uh, like uh, old-fashioned, um, strict, strict family from Kobe. Okay, and her father didn't approve of um, marrying a professional wrestler. Even in Japan, there's some certain stigma for professional wrestling and professional wrestler. And, you know, there's a certain stigma come with it. And uh, her father uh, never okayed, you know, her marriage with Bawa for a long time. Does that make any sense? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so uh, they were almost together 20 years before they... Um, publicly announced their marriage. It didn't come out until 82. Ten years after Baba opened All Japan Pro Wrestling, right? Cause, but but the, oh, Mrs. Baba has been there since the day one, you know? Yeah. So was it just so, because of the family or was it, did they not announce their marriage to protect uh, Giant Baba? Did he need to be single for any reason, or is it just primarily because of her No, 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 protect father? her. Protect her. her. Okay. Yeah. The, her father did not like professional wrestling, period. So did they have to wait for him to pass? No, no, actually it was a magazine or some kind of, you know, tabloid magazine that, uh, you know, that expose everything like is that like a new york post kind of thing sure yeah yeah so the photo was gonna come out this is baba's wife so before you know sleazy magazine get to it she went to a little bit nicer magazine and also sports page 
that who all you know that the, the like a Tokyo sports and Nikon sports that always cover wrestling, loyal like a very loyal. She'd much rather give that news to people who are familiar with them than some kind of tabloid. So they went ahead. See, if it wasn't for that, uh, that reason, maybe that uh, the marriage and the whole thing could have been kept in secret forever. Making sense? So they were obviously, she came from a wealthy family. They were uh, yeah. wealthy on their own through uh, uh-huh. through all Japan and professional wrestling. Um, what happens to, they, they live in a, a condo in a very uh, expensive part of town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ebisu, yep. And also has a big, huge condo in Hawaii, too. So what yeah. what do you do you think they'll give these things to charity or there other family members? Uh the house they have now? Yeah, I just I mean all this wealth. I have no idea cuz they um see Mrs. Baba was 78 now and the person who was with her until her last day was her niece. See, Mr. and Mrs. Baba didn't have children, okay? And she did not really keep in touch with wrestling people say last five years or so and uh, i i'm pretty sure they're not they're not from big family and the only person she who was with her uh, last week was her niece you know and uh, she is not arresting people and uh, she's she probably have to look for some somebody who she can trust to publicly handle this from like a from to the public service or memorial ceremony or the what wrestling company you know she, you know would help her do so or all those things that a lot of things will come out this week next week you know so we'll we don't talk- know much about it so obviously yeah. um one thing i guess we have to talk about for for american fans yeah. is uh is johnny ace and um, yeah, John yeah. Laurinaitis, she, you know, John, I guess, was one of her favorites and also kind of learned oh, real favorite. how yeah. to be this an executive, how to kind of, you know, work with, uh, you know, to, to, to work his way up in WCW and the WWE uh, through yeah. his relationship with, with All Japan and Mrs. Bob. Well, probably well, not through, but uh, I'm sure Johnny is, you know, learned business in Japan. The creative side and more administrative side, being a promoter, being producer, and also um, have more personal touch on every little step, you know? Yeah, like a very feminist way, I would say, you know? Um, Not like macho handling business, but because Mrs. Baba was always there, Baba never had to do much of a, let's say, so to speak, Dirty work, so to speak. Um, when you know, when when you have to deal with like some people, like you go, you have to say no to certain people. But like I said, Baba wouldn't be saying no to these people. Mrs. Mrs. Baba will make appointments. And say, well, we decided not to goodbye, right? So um, very mature way to handle business. I'm sure Johnny has watched how Mr. and Mrs. Baba handle business, and he learned it from here. Now, some people are giving the impression that Johnny Ace wouldn't have been a star had Mrs. Baba not liked him. Do you think that's the case? Uh, well, he would have been. He would have been. Because uh, there's a couple of reasons. You know, that's really exaggerated. And I'm sure it's been, uh, you know, that story was created by people who do, do not like Johnny Ace. But Johnny Ace had tours and tours and tours here he paid his due he started out as second match american and he made you know his way up then and, and, uh, made tag team with you know people like danny spivey made tag team with stan hansen and became single uh wrestler and also had a tag team with kenta kobashi you know like a two very promising rookies in late 80s into 90s and uh, people should give more credit to Johnny Ace than that that he did pay dues as a in-ring worker not just you know just smooth his way out you know in and out as a business or anything 
So it was with people's like prejudice, you know. See, good-looking people, uh, <laughs> you have to work harder, you know. Of course, he's a nice-looking guy, and you know, um, Mrs. Barber liked him. You know, I'm sure he helped, but uh, it was not all. He worked very hard every single tour, eight trips back and forth, back and forth, eight, nine trips a year for a 12-year period. That's hard work. Yeah, you can watch some of the matches and you can see he's very good and he's very over at times with the crowd, depending on when you decide to yeah, jump on and watch the show. Mrs. Baba's being Mrs. Baba's favorite sure helped, but that's not all, you know, so... Uh, we have to give him a little bit more credit than that, you know. But she, at the same time, right, Mrs. Baba did play favorites a lot. Like, you know? for example, what what I'm thinking of now that we're talking about her, like, were there any missteps that she made? Like, for example, was it her? Did she have anything to do with, say, Bruiser Brody ever jumping from all Japan to, to New Japan or, or things like that? Were there oh, any... no, nothing to do with any Brody part. Were there any missteps that she made, do you think? Uh, it's hard to say because I think Mrs. Baba didn't really have anything to do with the creative side of the business, you know? She admitted that... Uh, uh, that the, she admitted that uh, she, you know she's part of the company, but she always admitted that. But I'm not a creative person, you know, as far as in-ring work goes. Old Japan is a very, very old-fashioned company. That uh, any creative process, you have to be a wrestler to do so. You know what I'm saying? Yes. WWE had writers. WWE had people like say Vince Russo or somebody like that, right? But the Japanese wrestling company, even in the creative process, it had to be wrestler. You know, Yoshinari Ogawa, Masafuchi, Momota, the, you know, Akio Sato. The, the, the creative, you know, team was always wrestlers. So Baba, Mrs. Baba wouldn't have anything to do with it. And she was there for Baba, not for all Japan. You know what I'm saying? It was personal, almost. It's business, though. Business, but it was personal. Just like Dave Meltzer said, this is the most successful mom-and-pop company in wrestling history. Make sense? Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about Noah and uh, Pro, yeah, pro yeah. Wrestling Noah and uh, Misawa and, and all of that after uh, after Bob, yeah, Giant Bob is dead. How okay? So I'll bring up the the quote from Stan Hansen. Um, when the king, when the kingdom was, you know, like happy, everybody was happy, and the king died. King died, and somewhat somehow, a lot of people secretly hated the queen. It all came out after king died. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because Misawa was going to go independent, and the pro wrestling Noah was going to be like uh, five guys, you know. Misawa, Kobashi, Akiyama, Ogawa, maybe like a five, six guy. And he wanted to start uh, start small. But the, when when they wanted to, you know, start the new company, every single wrestler, every referee to ring crew to front office staff to bus driver to everybody wanted to join misawa everybody so it's called noah zak that's why it was pro wrestling noah you know everybody but kawada and fuchi and i would add kyohei uh, kyohei wada the main referee and also he drives he used to drive Motoko's fan. Yeah. Senior referee like Joe Higuchi, you know, the famous referee. Yes. Or senior wrestlers like Russia Kimura or everybody wanted to join, you know, Misawa's group instead of staying with Mrs. Baba. They probably a lot of people felt that, you know, it was sinking boat too, you know, after Baba. Such a huge kingdom, right? And uh, the, maybe days were numbered. 
and also uh, channel four, channel four, you know, uh, Nippon TV, NTV. If Misawa was to form a new group, new company, it was promised that uh, the TV station will go with you, you know, to this new company. Just like that happened 30 years, you know, before. When Baba left old JWA, Nippon Pro Wrestling, back in 1972, it was promised that the station will go with Baba instead of old people, old, old company. So this is kind of like a history repeated itself, that the, when Misawa wanted to you know, form the new generation company, TV will go with you. So that was it, you know. And we but should everybody note, left. We should note that uh, All Japan Now is a completely different company. She had nothing to do with, with the All Japan of the present. Yes and no, though, because Akiyama went to Mrs. Baba and he got her blessing. Yes, you can use that logo, you know, the globe and the Jap Jap you know, Japan flag. I mean, uh, Japanese map and the globe and all famous old Japan logo. She, uh, Akiyama, went over there and asked Mrs. Baba, because well, Akiyama is the last student of Mr. Baba, you know, and uh, he's a straight guy and very, you know, sincere about it. And uh, or even when Akiyama won the Triple Crown for the first time, Akiyama called Mrs. Baba. He's like, may I wear that PWF championship belt? He could have gone, gone ahead and wear whatever the hell you know, of three belts he wants to wear. He could have worn it, right? But uh, he picked up the phone and called Mrs. Baba, said, I would like to wear PWF belt. Would it be okay? And then Mrs. Baba said, okay. It's like, why ask such thing, right? But uh, it's just the way they handled the business. And, uh, be and because Mrs. Baba you know, gave Akiyama blessing, they can use all the name. You can call your tournament champion carnival. You know, use all the old belts, not a belt, but the name of the championship, triple crown, the international heavyweight title, PWF title, the UN, United National title, the Asian tag team title, that, the, uh, you know, the, the real world tag team in the tournament in December. Those names are intellectual property of Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Baba, technically, right? But uh, yes, it's completely different company and different company form, corporation, everything. But you needed Mrs. Baba's blessing, you know? So, so yes and no, though. You know, in a different company, but the creative part of that, you know, wrestling fan would enjoy titles, championship, name of the tour, or even the whole image of it, you know, or the logo. So technically, it's not the same company, but the feeling is there that it's, yeah, yeah, it's all Japan pro wrestling. Will they do any uh, public 10 bell salutes uh, for Mrs. Baba? Um, I have to see because. Today is Tuesday in Japan, and tomorrow, Wednesday, All Japan um, has Korakuen Hall show. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to go there and see if they do. It's been in all kinds of news and all the, you know, Yahoo news, the, that, uh, you know, all, all the internet news site had, had Mrs. Baba's passing as news yesterday. And a lot of people talked about it, and a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people made comments. So um, it's just as big as any wrestling legend passing, you know. Did anybody have yeah. anything uh, interesting to say? Anything notable? Uh, most people fun memories. She was diff it was publicly saying she was difficult, and at times she was very hard to deal with. But she was the mother of everybody. It's good though, huh? So, uh, do you think that uh, speaking of belts, do you think that uh, do you think she has any memorabilia or anything like that you could talk oh, about? Oh, that's another interesting part. That the original, you know, international heavyweight title, I said PWF, you know, Pacific Wrestling Federation Championship belt, uh, UN belt, and also that the champ another championship belt that the Baba never showed public. Um, I've I've been told that Giant Baba made. Uh, Harley race model NWA belt when he won the title 
The dome globe belt. Yeah, in the middle. Yeah. But no, no American flag, but uh, it is inside. But uh, he placed Japanese flag on front instead of American flag, you know, on the left-hand side. Yep. Japanese flags, and in, in, in he has the belt at home that nobody has seen. And also her, um, Mrs. Baba's house, there's there every single kimono jacket that the Baba used to wear in the ring, all the tights, famous uh, big black wrestling boots, um, um, pretty much everything's in that house. I don't know how, how you know what they're going to do about it. Interesting, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's stuff, also, it's stuff that could be in a museum. It's stuff that could fetch yeah, a huge yeah, no, I'm amount sure of she cash. Has, has, oh, oh, not just cash, but like a historical piece. Yeah. And also, um, Mrs. Baba was big male maskers fan. And she has like over three or 400 male maskers original mask at home. Over the, I mean, from the 70s and 80s. I don't know what they're going to do about it. Isn't that In, interesting? It's fascinating. I mean, the, the fact oh, that, that Giant Baba made yeah. a, an NWA dome globe belt with a Japanese mm-hmm. flag on the front plate. Um, mm-hmm. that's, For himself. Yeah, that's impressive. Oh, because he won the title. Right, you know? twice. Uh, three times. Oh, you're beat right. Briscoe once. And beat Harley Race twice. You're so right. Three I, times was, I forgot. I always forget the second Harley Race time. Right, 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 right. Because it was all three times. It was like a week long. Yeah. So as a kid, we learned about wrestling too. He beat beat Jack Briscoe. He beat Race, right, and become NWA Heavyweight, you know, World Champion. Oh, great! But the end of the tour, somewhat somehow, he loses the title. It happened three times. You got to learn something about the business. Ah, that's how they're gonna do. It. <laughs> so what, you know do you, what, I'm what do you think Matoko Baba's legacy is? Mm. Mm. Kind of like she was as big of a as a promoter. Mr. and Mrs. Baba as a team, they were the promoters. You know? So the credit is always for Mrs. Bob, I mean, Mr. Bob, Jan Baba, but uh, I would say she was every bit as important in business side of it, you know, in all Japan. Yes. Yeah. Now, things are different socially between the two countries. Is, is she, was, was what she did unusual for her era? Was she a trailblazer I think at so. all? Uh, yeah, pretty unusual. But she was able to do so because it was a very private company. Like, you know, it's been written that the most successful mom and pop company, the older couple, though, Mr. and Mrs. Baba, who did not have children, and treated all the wrestlers like their children, and treated the company like their baby. And, you know, and uh, all in all, for 20 year period, they ran, what, 130 to 150 shows a year, every year and had eight to nine tours a year. And every single night she was with Baba. You know, she traveled all the tours, you know, just like wrestlers, you know, never stayed home. Yeah. And so it's not very traditional then, you know? Yeah. Very professional businesswoman, very strong. She had to be strong, huh? Did you ever see her like at a show, like you mentioned some of the bigger shows, was she ever happy or angry or anything with anything that happened at the shows? Was like the uh, the the famous show with uh, with Misawa uh, and Saruta. And some yeah, and in, in a lot of times, you know, she was standing in in an alley or the entrance way, you know, like hiding. But she wanted to see not through the monitor, but she wanted to see the whole show from where she can see. So she was always standing in the a, in a very edge of the uh, entranceway, you know, standing. I stood with her a number of times through, you know, during the show. So we, I was able to speak to her, you know, a lot of times, you know. And she asked me, what do you think of the house? Very good, very, very good house, ma'am. You know, she's 
ask me a question, how you know how I feel about the show, and then uh, this and that, and exchange. She never gives her opinion. She nods and okay, that's is how you feel. Okay, then she wouldn't say her opinion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wanted to listen. Yeah, I wanted to hear what, what I think or what other promoters or, or what other photographers you know, thought about the show. But the, she'll get those opinions, but she is not there to give her own opinion. Yeah. So, but that would scare you too. You know? Did I say something wrong? Always wrong. But you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we. She's uh, the boss. She definitely the boss, Matoko Baba. Oh, boss. Uh, before we uh, close out the show, I do want to touch base on uh, another part of the past. Bob Backlund and uh, Fujinami. Yes, uh, I went to the show. Yeah. Tell me about that show. Oh, it was like a reunion show, kind of. You know, like a, not like high school reunion, but like an 80s reunion. The main event was six-man you know, six tag team. Fujinami, Bob Backlund, and Ricky Choshu as a trio going against Tajiri, and Jinsei Shinzaki, you know, Hakushi, and uh, yeah, yeah. Kazuma Sakamoto, who briefly worked WWE a few years ago. All, yeah. It had to be three Japanese wrestlers who had WWE experience. That's how, that's how you know, Fujinami wanted it. And the finish, of course, was um, Bob Backlund putting chicken wing, you know, uh, you know, chicken wing face lock on Sakamoto while while um, Choshu is holding Hakushi with his scorpion deathlock and while Fujinami is holding Tajiri with his dragon sleeper. So three submission called going in the same ring, you know? It's like a picture perfect. Which Chicken is what you want. Lock. Yeah. Send yeah. my fans home. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, what else can you have, right? Oh, of course. And then also that the, you would do all the signature move, you know, when you when you when you have Bob back and what else do you need? Atomic drop, of course, done, you know. And Fujinami sleeper, Ricky Choshu's, you know, Ricky Choshu clothesline and Scorpion, Deathlock, nothing much else, you know. But uh, it was all right, you know. It's like uh, your Avenger, your or old Superman, you know, Batman and Robin with old enemies not old enemies but the perfect enemy to go down you know <laughs> that was good you know did it uh, sell and out also, cork and, did it sell out cork and hall yeah yeah pretty much but not like you know standing room only or anything but it was like a happy uh sellout kind of thing and also you will spend money to buy the the special program for that day and also they was selling bob you know new production Fujinami t-shirt Bob Backlund t-shirt and also there's an autograph thing table for you know uh, Bob Backlund he actually sat there and signed an autograph on his old photo you know WWF title you know picture from like 79 or 1980 or something like a real young Bob Backlund holding WWF championship belt that was black and white 8 by 10 but you want that right and he he sat, signed an autograph, and talked to fans. You know, like uh, you know, say hi. And a lot of people say, you know, I watched you when I was tenth grade or something like that, right? And they say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, and have a short conversation with fans. But that's a special thing, you know, because would you be? Won't you be happy to? You know, yeah, you will be happy to have actual conversation with Bob Backlund. We talked about this at a past show, show, but uh, Bob Backlund is really over in Japan as a legend because when he was WWF champion, he made so he many was... trips over to Japan. Yeah, and also had the babyface run, and uh, also he he won the tag team tournament, teaming up with Antonio Inoki '79, you know, beating young Hulk Hogan and Stan Hansen. And also he had a lot of dream matches. And also he had a title match program against heavyweight Fujinami and came back and did the UWF run. He came, even came back and worked Battle Arts. And he even had a tour with Tenru's WAR 
and he was in, in the 1994 WWF Mania Tour, the very first tour, infamous at that, uh, you know, very first WWE Japan Tour. He was part of that too. So he probably had like a 30 or 40 tours altogether, yeah, in 20-year period. Longer than that, probably 30-year period, you know, yeah. Did he say anything History to the crowd? Did he say anything to the crowd? Yeah, and then also they did uh, Fujinami and Backland together announced just just the other day we lost the biggest legend in professional wrestling history in Mr. Bruno Sammartino. So they did the Tengang salute for um, Bruno Sammartino at the end of the show. You know, oh, it, 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 it happened, so they had to do it and they wanted to do it. But uh, it somewhat fit their image too, you know, very honorable. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was. Well, I think that uh, you've given us a ton of information that we're not going to get anywhere else about the Matoko Baba, unless uh, Dave Meltzer calls you. Uh, (laughs) I I don't think anyone else is going to get this. Mrs. Baba have been pretty misunderstood and she didn't do anything about it for a long time, you know? And she probably didn't care because she had to be the scary figure, scary person to protect the company. At the time, she was very difficult. And at the time, she was acting like, a, you know, like a smiley and jolly, like a schoolgirl, you know, like a schoolgirl too, you know? And Baba and Mrs., uh, Mr. and Mrs. Baba, was, they were always together, always, every single day, every single show every single spot show even and uh, they travel together eat together you know sleep and breathe they repeat and they were together forever can you have that kind of relationship with another baba was 19 motoko was 17 and they were together until death did them apart just like a fairy tale don't you think it's rare well, I think this was a, a very informative show. I hope you enjoyed it as much really? as I have. And uh, Fumi, thank you so much for for all this information. So if you've enjoyed it, please share this on uh, Facebook yes. or on Twitter, on any of your uh, social platforms. If you enjoyed this edition of the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast, go back in the archives and uh, shows are very similar. You'll learn a lot of things about uh, Japanese wrestling and American wrestling and connections between the cultures. Where can uh, people find you on Twitter and on uh, Facebook, Fumi? Yeah, Twitter is Fumihiko Dayo. F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O Fumihiko Dayo or Fumisaito on Facebook. And I'm Jim Valley. You can find me at J-I-M-V-A-L-L-E-Y on Twitter and also on Facebook. And uh, we will uh, talk to you next time about everything that's happening from Tokyo to Seattle and all points throughout history here on the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. So until next time. So long from Tokyo.